0: Hello and welcome to a new year, a new semester of a V.A.M. discussion with me. This uh, year we're going to spend some time, a lot of time, on Rabbi Yonah's discussion of the Arba Kitot. A little background. There's a Gemara in Soto, on Membet Omen Aleph, which says that there are four Kitot, four groups, that are not that do not receive the Divine Presence. And before we discuss them, I want to talk, point out where Rabbi Yonah places this discussion, and what that seems to mean for him, and then today contrast that to what others say about those four ketot and their role. Now, I think of this as a halachic discussion, and I'll tell you why for Ben Yonah, but it's gonna be one of those discussions that straddles what we call halakha, and some people call it hashkafa, and some people call it ethics, and they treat it as a looser and less uh, obligatory category. Than, than pure halacha. I had an incident like this many years ago. I was involved in the school when the school decided that they would have certain students study Sefer Achinuch, study a series of mitzvot in the Torah rather than some kind of pure, formal halachic uh, uh, curriculum. And the idea was that they saw, I think in the end, they saw like 40 mitzvot Reita when you learn the Sefer you know, as what we call halacha, Jewish law, it was more superficially treated legally, but they got a perspective of biblical commandments. And at some point, I was talking to one of the teachers in the school and I said, What do you think of this new curriculum? How's it going? He said, Oh, I don't like it. He didn't say the kids don't like it. He said, Oh, I don't like it. I said, How come you don't like it? He said, You know, it's Ashkafa, it's Jewish thought. It's not law, it's not halacha, it's not the meaty stuff. I said, What myth are you studying? He said, honoring our parents, which was really, really bad, because there's actually lots and lots of technical law as well. But in his mind, he was a young guy, he, he may have changed his mind over the years, but in, in his mind, if it's not, put on your in this way, shake your rule of that way, set up the area with these parameters, it's not halacha. I believe Rabbi Yona is trying to indicate us something different, a different model of what these things mean. The reason I say that is because the structure of, of the third shah of Sharet Chuva. It is important to understand what's going on for him. in and the third shah, remember the Sharet Chuva is a section of a larger work of Rabinionas, which he called Sha'arit Sedek, meaning a shah is a gate, a section. We have four of those sections. It was actually, I think, a ten-section work. We only have these four, but in these four, numbers one, two, and four are very clearly about tshuva. So the first section has like uh, uh, the, the value of tshuva, and he has yes, 20 steps of tshuva instead of the four that we know from the Rambam. The second section talks about what stimuli are to tshuva. The fourth section talks about how we can earn kapara, how we can atone for our sins. It's about tshuva. The third section of shari tshuva is also about repentance, but in a very different model. The the third section of Yonah says, to properly repent a sin, one must understand the severity, the significance of that sin. And therefore, he goes through the halachic system. He reviews the halachic system. He starts with what are the lowest, the least important, the least significant sins. He is at pains throughout to stress that even the least significant sin is very important. And so he starts with, Rabbinic law, because Rabbinic law in some sense is less severe, less stringent, less significant than a transgression of a biblical sin. So if somebody has, let's say, unwittingly violated Rabbinic law, or even they knew what they were doing, but they only were doing it because they were tempted, that's not the same as, it's not good, but it's not the same as they violated the biblical. So let's say, Bessar Of Bechalav is a Dera'banon, having chicken or duck, Cooked with cooked with milk is uh, not allowed at a rabbinic level. One who does that needs to repent their sin. That's a rabbinic sin. On the other hand, they'd eaten baster bchalav. To, oh, right, that that would be a more sin. So he goes through the list. He has a whole list. He goes through. It starts with draw banan, and it goes all the way up to people who lose their share in the world to come, which he implicitly is treating as. As a halachic category, right? That when the when the Gemara says about certain things that you lose your share in the world to come, it doesn't just mean. It doesn't just mean uh, it's a bad thing to do. It means it's the height of loss. That's what he seems to say. So, for example, in the third chapter, paragraph one seventy one, which comes at the end of this whole list, it's like we're at the. It seems like we're at the top of the hierarchy. He says, it's talking about people who are going to be lost, they won't get a share in the world to come. He says, they, of course, will only lose their share in the world to come if they didn't do tshuva, if they didn't repent. But if they repented, so then they'll, uh, they've will they saved themselves from destruction, from loss, as the passage in Yumi Yahu, as the verse in Jeremiah 3.22 says, return away wayward children, I will heal your mishuvah, your wayward ways. And that's where... He seems to stop in the sense that he and here he's spoken about that Chuva can save it. And then he turns to our bakitot. He turned to four groups, as I mentioned earlier, that the Gomar Sota talks about. There are four groups, and it says, Pine that will not merit to to uh, greet like to accept or to uh, to enjoy the divine present. And he spends on the elaboration of these four ketot, he spends fully one-third of the Sha'ar, meaning what we're about to discuss the material from here to the end of this section of Sha'aret chuva is half the size of the rest. The rest describe the entire halachic system, and he spends a- another half-time on the description of just these four ketot. And he doesn't write about these ketot, that Shuva saves them. I mean, it's unclear what he thinks about that, but this idea that the loss, that these people, the, the group being lost and not getting share in the world to come and all that, is only the Shuva, He puts that before these are It seems like Raviniona. And then, as I said, he spent the rest of the shower describing them. And he's going to go into, this is what we're going to spend this year discussing and trying to figure out. He's going to go into the great detail. He's going to give you categories for each one of those groups. This time, I wanted us to spend a time just laying out what the four groups are and then surveying what others said about those four groups. There so Those who are more lenient than Rabbeni Yonah in their perspective, these four groups, and the others who are more strict than Rabbeni in the perspective of these four groups. And then what we're going to be doing this year is looking at the subcategories of these four groups from a halachic perspective and try to figure out where they fit in halacha, where they fit in, in, in more formal Jewish law. And, and try to figure out where it is that these categories of activities fit in our perspective. Because according to Rabbi Yona, I am suggesting, the implication is not only that it's not allowed, not only is it bad, it seems like he puts them at the pinnacle of the uh, of how one can violate the halakhic system. Because he started with, the Rabbanans are, in quotation marks, air quotes, whatever you want to put them in, the least of the sins. Then you went all the way through violations of the right, and getting curate and getting... Death at the hands of heaven and death at the hands of a court, losing one share in the world to come. And he finishes that whole discussion. I said, yeah, we're going to talk about the Arbakitot. Starting from paragraph 172 of Chuva, the third shah, the third section, he says, We're now going to explain these Arbakitot. And the four Kitot are, who are not in the Kablot Pineshkina, who do not merit receiving the divine presence, are the Kat Leitzanim. They are the group of people, Leitzanim. It's a hard word to, to, to think. I've seen it described as scoffers or cynics, but we're gonna eventually see it probably includes both those who are cynical about life and don't and think that there's no importance in anything, but also those who just joke around too much, not necessarily as a rejection of life, but just because um just because they're having a good time. And that's gonna be part of Late Tanim as well, we'll get to it. Then there's Kat Shakarim, liars. And we'll have to think about what kinds of liars are meant when we say that they're not in the Kabbalah, and Rabbiniona doesn't quite say why. Rebidiona only says that the Gemara is telling us these are very significant sins. Since they are very significant sins, I'm going to lay them out for you, and the punishment is. Then there's Katchanafim. So Katchanafim loosely means flatterers, but we'll see what it means when we get to it. It'll mean something along the lines of people who are willing to uh, applaud evildoers. Or to support evildoers, I'm talking about why and where that comes up when we get to it. That's sort of a broad version of what's going on. That we don't. That instead of rejecting evil or saying it or or denouncing evil, we say, "Oh, good evil, nice to meet you," and then kind of separate lashon hara. And then those who tell lashon hara, who uh, loosely slander others, speak ill of others, and that's what we'll get to. So those are the four groups. How do we know that they're not mekablei? Uh, shekina, that they don't get to shekina, that they're not going to merit being in the Divine Presence. The Gemara quotes a verse for each, and I won't do verses all the time, but those of the verses are interesting to see. For Leitzanim, there's a Pasuk in Hosea, a verse in Hosea chapter 7, verse 5, which is, yado et Hashem removed his hand, as it were, from lotzitim, which is going to be a same, similar to Leitzanim and that idea. For liars, the Puzzle 101, verse 7 says, Somebody who speaks lies, who speaks falsehoods, will not be established before my eyes. And that's sort of, if you imagine, if you metaphorically give God eyes, and they are in God's face, and if the, uh, the liars, the people who embrace falsehood, are not going to be in front of God's eyes, they won't be able to accept God's presence. <laughs> the flatterers are the people who are supporting supporters of evil, because the Puzzle of evil. Chapter 13, verse 16 says, Kilo yavo, That a chaneif, which is a chanafim, will not come before God. And the one who tell Lashon HaRa, who tells slander people, because the verse in verse 5, 5 says, Because you're not a God who wants or desires or is uh, connected to evil. And Ra, which I think the Gemara is sort of connected to Lashon HaRa, but Ra will not uh, abide with you. <clears throat> if I'm right about Rediona, and we'll see others in a minute just to round out our perspective of it. But if I'm about right about Riniyona, he's also saying something else. I think very important that he's saying that when the Gemara Sota says that these people will not be mekable pene will not merit the divine presence, he's saying that that means that uh, that that he's saying also that's the worst thing that could be. Which is surprising because I think we often think to ourselves, well, the best thing is to get great reward. And he's saying, no, the best thing is to just whatever the words mean, whatever the metaphysics of it is, but to benefit and to be able to enjoy the divine presence. And the loss of that is the worst punishment there could be. He says something similar in an earlier work of his called see, for a ah, it's an earlier work, and it's a differently constructed work, and it's more, just a more, um, more obviously a work of exhortation, a work of trying to convince people to serve God correctly. And then he says also, be very careful not to lie. Even about things that, things that don't matter. We'll see that when we get up to his definitions of kat shakarim, of liars that he, he's, he's opposed to. He thinks lying is a deep, deep problem. Not just a problem, but a deep problem, even when it comes to lies about things that are, that are unimportant. he says because there's a there's a sacrilege or a desecration of God's name in lying now he doesn't mean in lying by taking an oath that we understand the desecration of God's name because people swore using God's name he means the desecration of God's name in just not being truthful we'll get to it not to make money based on lies because the money you make you lose with the loss. Because you're part of the Arba Kitot. That's what he quotes in Sefer huh? And he says, so too. Somebody who's a Badai, who fools people, right? He'll get punished that people won't believe him even when he tells the truth. That's a punishment in this world already. And he says, whoever changes from the truth, it's like they're worshipping idols. It's a Gemara similar to Gemara in Sanhedrin, Bet. And then he throws in the other Kitot as well. Don't be which is the second I mean, It seems like he means the second most important la'aveirot, which would fit what I was saying before. But it seems to me that Yonah's placement to this here, and the attention that he gives it, is that he is arguing that while there is such a thing as technical halacha, he is a technical halachist, he is fully aware of the categories of halacha, saying aside from that, this gemara, which is hard to define as exactly as we would like to, is telling these are really the pinnacle or the height of what could be bad in a way a person acts. The Jews of Hashem judges a person. And it also, it also leads us to um, not be as uh, fearful of God as we want. He says it also leads people to uh, to commit other sins, right? It makes them used to sinning because they don't care about things. And whoever's is mitlot falls to Gehenna, this is the earlier version of it. And then also not to be machanik, meaning he's already even in an earlier stage in his life aware of these four categories and treating them is very important. Uh, and he quotes the verse that the Gemara quoted about not chanik, not coming before God. And not to slander people because everything has everything can be healed. Other than lashanarah, and not to accept lashanarah. He also says because of the verse. And then he goes on to other things as well. That's Rabbi Yonah. This Gemara and Sotah is to be taken seriously. This Gemara and is making a point about what's at the height of the Halakhic system, what's at the deepest problem in the Halakhic system, and what we're supposed to do with that. There are some who are more make who take the Gemara more leniently, and then some who take it more stringently. And let's start with the lenient, and then we'll go on to the stringent and see where it leaves us. The Adrama of Rav Meir Abu who lived... Uh, a generation before Benyomin, maybe two generations behind, find generations. But he lived in the late 1100s, early 1200s. Benyomin lived in the early 1200s to the late 1200s. So one, two generations ahead of him. Right, they may have known each other. There's a, uh, I think they may have been involved. Benyomin may have known him. May have been a younger, much younger colleague uh, around that time. He says in his kiddushi, in his novella, his comment Sanhedrin. He says, "Our Baalke told." Tovim, He says, even though such people may have done a lot of good deeds and therefore have a share in the world to come, nonetheless they won't um they won't be They won't have the great merit of greeting godly lihistakel t'si, baspaklariya hamira. But is the way the Gemara differentiates uh, Moshe Revenu's nevuah, his prophecy, from the other prophets. The other prophets see in Aspaklariya, Spaklaria means a uh, speculum. It's like a glass thing that you'd look things at, like a magnifying glasser, and you'd look through things. So ha uh, is, is a clear one, and shenam is a, a, a translucent one, where there's a, a, a darkness, there's a, a blurriness to it. It's like when you have uh, glazed windows. You can see through them, but not fully through them. For Riyad Rama, then, this Gemara, while it's saying something, it's saying something important, he's saying it, it's saying something real. It's what, what it, the, the level of problematics for the people involved is that they won't attain a certain height. Rabiniona, I, pr- it could be, I can't prove that Rubiniona doesn't agree with that. It seems he doesn't agree with that only because of where he places this lengthy discussion. He places it at the end of the third shire, which was going from bottom to top. For, many, for Yadrama's view, there are people who don't get a share in the world to cover, but he only included them. I would, he should have put the four, this, these four ketodes, these four groups, before him. So it seems to me Ma is taking the Gemara and so to be, to be saying something negative about these people, but the negative is they won't reach the heights they could have, except they'll be excluded from the most significant thing, and that's like the worst punishment there is. They won't reach the heights they could have. That's the way the Yadrama seems to have it. Um the Beit Elohim of the Mabit, the Mabit is a contemporary of uh, the Beit Yosef, of Yosef Karo of the Shochan Aruch, late 1500s in Safat. And he says, The verse says I'm going to kill their wayward ways, and I'll love them, uh, for nothing or freely, as it were. He says, it's not only they won't get punished when you do Tshuvah, but in general, when people do tshuva, when people repent of a sin, one of the great gifts of tshuva is not only that it helps us avoid punishment; it goes a step before that. It wipes the slate, and our closeness to God, our connection to God, is as if it didn't happen. And he's going to talk about right tomorrow in um, in Yoma, talking about to do tshuva hava, tshuva yura. They do repent out of love, repent out of fear, and those have different levels of accomplishment, different levels of achievement in restoring that closeness. But the theory is it restores closeness, right? Um, and that became, he gets it from the verse Yirmiyahu because he says what it says, Olave Nidava. That word Nidava can mean voluntary. It can mean with uh, full love. The <coughs> Mabit says it's talking about Ritsui and Ahava, being appeased and being close. The anger goes away, and there's no punishment. And the Mabit says, that was a condition with which God created the world. He's referring to the Midrash that says, that God had originally created the world with just pure justice, and the world couldn't survive, and therefore God put Rachamim in there as well. Rachamim meaning at least... The the uh, the the, uh, the, re- the acceptance of God, or the fact that we're not perfect, and we willing to start over and try over again. Uh, when it comes to the four tote, the Rebbe says that's where, while God did insert into creation the idea of not punishing when there was chuva, when there was repentance, but l'niat haritzui enokak, it's not true about the ritsui, about the restoration of the relationship. Because sometimes the sin can be significant. Now, here's what he says Even though God will forgive and have the sin be passed away, there won't be a punishment, there won't be a ritsui. The sinner will not be restored to his or her original status. He says that for that sinner, it'll be sufficient that. Hashem is not going to punish them. Umram, as it says in the Gemara, quote our about four kitot. He says because even after their tshuva, they won't greet the divine presence. Now, in some sense, that's a stringency. He's saying that these people's sin is so significant that they're not going to be able to restore the relationship with God. If that you take that to be more stringent than Raviniyona was talking about, okay, then he's more stringent. I think though, there's a significant leniency here. He's saying that in all other ways, they'll have gotten rid of the sin. They'll get too long, he says, they'll have the pleasure of the pleasure of being in the world to come. But they won't see the divine presence, right? And he says that's true even after Chuva. Because the, the the fact that they're going to be able to get the significance of their sin wiped away, that they won't be punished, that's enough to them. But not that they're going to be then fully mirutsim, because he says there was no promise to us that with Chuva we can always get back to God's full love and affection and fondness for us. The promise of Chuva was that we get rid of punishment. I think that he means to be more lenient than Rabinona. He doesn't refer to Rabinona directly. I think he means to be more lenient, but if you think it's a stringency, you can take it that way. And if a stringency that just supports my idea. Because part of the reason why I think it's going to be worth our while and tell all your friends, I think it's going to be worth our while to study these four Keto together is because I think it's going to highlight for us modes of conduct. The Rabbin Yonah, and maybe Mabit, but certainly the Yonah, thought of it as being extremely serious, although we treat it as, oh, that's a violation of Jewish ethics, but it's not, that's all it is. Yeah, it's not as good, it's not so great. As opposed to, you saw somebody who ate a pig, you say, oh, I, think I can't believe it. And so that's the question. If somebody tells a lie, we'll talk about what kinds of lies, we can get to it. Somebody tells a lie, somebody flatters an evildoer, is that, oh, you eat pig, or not so much. Mabit is saying that, and I go either way with it, Mabit is saying that it's not the, that the person will never be able to get back to God's presence, even though they'll be able to get a lavabba. Moving up to the late 1800s, early 1900s, Yosef Engel and his Gilione Hashas, he, on the Gemarans and of the Ramah, we saw about before, Yosef Engel says these four ketodes, he quotes the Mabit, he apologizes for disagreeing for the, with the Mabit, and he says, I don't think it's true. He thinks that here, it's only about what they did not do Tshuva, but, and then he says, I can't go on, but he seems to imply that he thinks that they've done Tshuva, even the four will get back. As I pointed out before, I think Yonah indicates the other way, only because he puts in the reminder that with Tshuva, with repentance, one can get back to great levels. He puts that before our four rather than after. Discussion to be had. Then for the last example of a leniency, um, just the Maharal and the Hibot Olam talked about the problem with these people is that they're far from appreciating the reality of life and that's why they'll not be able to greet the Divine Presence, right? Because, he says, uh, when it comes to... and the reason why is because he thinks panim. He thinks when the Gemara talks about the, being able to see the face of something, means the full reality of it. So he says late, Zim, uh, late Sanut is there's no actual reality to it. It's like joking around. As I said before, late Sanut has two elements, has different kinds to it. But that's what he's talking about. So late Sanut is not part of reality, and liars aren't telling the truth, and therefore they're not part of reality. And those who tell lashon hara uh, has no reality of his own because he's about li- about slandering other people. All of that means they're not part of reality, but it sounds like and it seems like if they can just find their way back to reality, they'll be okay. That's at one end of the spectrum. You have the people who I think are more than Rebidiona. It's not that they think these are, things are fine, but that they treat them as if they're not as problematic as Rebidiona made them out to be. On the other side, I have three comments of the Yosef Ometz. These are just the ones that I have, to have chosen to come across. But Yosef Ometz is a rabbi in Frankfurt. In the late 1500s, early 1600s, and this is the same time as the Shluch. Um Rabbi Yishelevi It's around that time of year, I think of that, around that time of uh, history, I think of it because Yo- this Yosef Ometz uses a mnemonic for these four groups that I also saw in the Shla. maybe it was like a little bit older than him, maybe it came around around then, but it, they call it Chashmal. Now, it's a interesting, Chashmal is, the Khat Shin is Shakarim, Mem is the Leitzanim, and and Those who tell Shahara is the four. I don't know if they meant it. I can't be sure. But in the the in Yeheskel, the prophecy Yeheskel at the beginning of the book, part of his vision of the mirikava, the chariot of heaven, is that he sees a Hashma And I'm not sure if that was a, this is a reference to that as well. So the other all mentioned in three different places. Refers to these four groups. There's is a, is a book that this uh, his name is Rabbi Yosef Yosva, Rabbi Pinchas Hanorling, Nierlingen. and he writes about Frankfurt, the customs of Frankfurt. Three different places talks about these kinds of people, and he seems to me to be even more uh, strict than Rabbi Yona. Uh, uh, Rabbi Yona talks about whether or not Rabbi Yona would have agreed. He says, for example, when a person is having a meal, right? He says. Uh, you got to be careful who you have meals with, he says, especially in our times, because many people, when they go to drink wine, they're minabelpiam, they just talk about stupid stuff or bad stuff, or they speak in a, in an inappropriate way. And he says, most of what they talk about, he says, they're one of the four ketotes that we just spoke about. They're telling Lashad Hara, they're slandering others, they're lying, they're applauding evil in some way, they're scoffing, they're joking around. And this uh, Reb Yosef says that the person who's with them doesn't make a fuss about it. Uh, he'll too, that person, he or she also will get punished. For. That's a whole different topic about when we're required to uh, to reproach other people who are with us or we get caught up in their sin even if we don't participate. So to hearing these things or hearing God's name taken in vain and saying nothing, that person should get me to it. That person themselves deserve a punishment maybe excommunication in some way, and therefore, you shouldn't sit down for meals with these people to begin with. That's one place where he mentions the Arab he says when we're sitting down for meals, we should think about who's coming, because we might get caught up in their sins, and therefore, that would be a problem for us, and we have to worry about it. In another section of the Yossi Fom, which is about the rules of, of Friday night dinner, of Lil Shabbat, he says, for sure, you got to make sure that Friday nights you're not going to have a an unimportant, uh, uh, an empty conversation uh, or on the day of Shabbat. And then all the more, so you shouldn't be hanging out in the street corners. Why not? Because even though he says there is permission that's been found among the rabbis to just have conversations people enjoy, that's talking about neutral conversation with no significant positive value, but also no negative value. So it would be things like, he says, he said, like the news, like what's going on? He says, you shouldn't do it anyway, because in general, when you do, you're going to get caught up in the, the Arabakitot groups. And the last example, um, uh, he says, it's important, this is in a discussion of gimul Qasadim, of doing kindnesses for others. He says, it's important when people, if you have the money, if you have the wealth, that uh, and you have neighbors who have a problem and they have, and they have guests and they can't have the guests sleep over, you should help the guests sleep over. He's talking about doing kindness for others that we all think of today as to thank God. He you have room, so, so he has, having a concert, he's having a sim class, he's having a celebration, and people come, you offer to put up people. A uh, very simple thing. But then he says, but in that situation, and really in any situation, you shouldn't let into your house people unless you know them they're not part of these are bakito they're not one of these kinds of people but if they're part of these kinds of people not only should you look angry at them you should speak harshly to them and you should and 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 talk about the fact they need to abandon their evil ways and you need to to expel them from your house before they lead you and your family and uh and she said and if you think to yourself if the person is the homeowner the host says You know what? I'll just be nice about it. I won't say anything. It's not that I agree. The person will get punished because you're required to break these things. So Yosef Omez thinks not only is it a problem to be such kind of a person, it's the obligation of any Jew to avoid the company of such a person and to forcefully reject such people and tell them what they're doing wrong. And then in our times, there's a, I don't know what counts the Bar there's a sefer called Ezumikoman, which is like a commentary a collection of rabbinica, of uh, ideas, on various Masechot of the Gemara, and his name is Rabbi Yehuda Aryeh, the son of Rabbi Avon Yiskok. I think it's Friedless or Friedel's, uh, and he was born in 1962, so he's basically my age, except that he's a Rashiva in B'nei Brak, and he's got this thing, and when he gets to the Yarmah Ketot, he quotes the Maharsha, and the Maharsha says, these four Kitot include all of the sins of language, and they bring to bad character traits of telling Lashad Hara, and that leads to Nigaim, to to plagues and to diseases. And the same thing, we said in Olam Hazeh is a problem. But also, you're not going to get to the Machanesh Kina. So that's what we're going to spend our time trying to figure out how not to be such people, how not to be among those who are in these four kitot. To do that, we need to what the four kitot are, what are these four groups, what are the members of these groups, and therefore, we can hopefully be among those who one day will in fact uh, enjoy the Divine Presence and uh, and be able to to fully relate to Hashem, to fully repent all of our sins and to uh, bask in the radiance of our Creator. So uh, I'll see you next time. We're going to begin on our definition of these the tot, And we'll see you then. So this is the podcast for Beniona and the tot, the four groups that don't see the Pneitschkinah. And we'll learn from them how we, God willing, will soon and one day be able to greet the Divine Presence. Be well.